When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Phil Mackey. Out of shape, overweight, and as I continue to say on this show, he doesn't take it seriously. Judd Zolgad. Judd is simply getting old, crotchety, and jaded about sports. <laughs> Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Aaron Trippier has not scored for his country in his career. And that one is in! First career goal for Garrett Trippier! Puts England in front of the semifinal! Oh, I, thought that was the, I thought that was the Judd highlight from his uh, from episode my one goal two against of Dave the Harrigan? Judd Athlete Challenge. No, no, sorry about that. They sound very similar. Sorry about that, no. Yeah, yeah oh yeah, yeah, because my, my ability to kick the soccer ball was such that Dave had no chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you missed episode two of the Judd Athlete Challenge where he attempts penalty kicks against Dave Harrigan... You can find it on our videos page at facebook.com slash 1500ESPN. That's where episode one is, too, where you attempt the Houston Rockets three-point challenge. No, no, it's not. Don't go back and watch Can that. you make one out of 27 three-pointers? And the answer was no. For the love of all a that's good. A resounding no. For the love of all that's good, please leave that alone, folks. <laughs> but I think we have an idea for episode three of the Judd Zolgat Athlete Challenge. So we're doing on Monday our annual NHL Alumni Classic show from White Eagle. In Hudson, Wisconsin. Hello, friends. Where they have graciously offered, well, they offered the driving range, but we're going to need an entire hole cleared (laughs) for episode three of the Judd Zolgad Athlete Challenge. We might need the holes to the left and right also cleared, yes, based on how this might go. And is there going to be somewhere right, someone right behind me to repair the course when I when I hit these shots? That's on you to repair your divots, Judd. You might just have to bring out the hitting mat and place that under you. The damage might be extensive. Let's just put it that way. Well, let's ask this first. How long has it been? Tell the audience how long it's been since you have picked up a golf club. Well, back in my Star Tribune uh, copy desk days, in the afternoon before our shift started, me and some buddies would uh, go out quite a bit, but that's a long, long time ago. I'm going to estimate that I have not picked up a golf club since circa 1998, 99. So two decades been about two decades you're doing the math so, that would be correct so not only not even like a media event here or there you've never gone to a driving range just to when, knock off some rust pull uh, off some steam no no i have not i have not picked up my um when i was a kid we i bought some a, a starter set of clubs at kokesh in hopkins and i believe i used those all the way through before i retired and no since then i have never picked up a club to actually hit a shot wow you, no two decades do you have that starter set still john I would have to look, to be honest with you. Uh, I have not I would like golfed. To see those. So we we moved into our house in St. Louis Park in uh, 2000, and I have not golfed since then. I think there's a fighting chance 
that the starter set of golf clubs and my uh, my Jofa hockey skates are both in the garage. Wow! But I would have to confirm this to make oh. sure it's the case. Now you're a lefty, and Dave has lefty clubs. Yes. So we can we can easily bring Dave's lefty clubs into play. Mm-hmm. So I think the question is, what are the parameters here? What's fair? What are expectations? Obviously, if you've never golfed, you haven't golfed in 20 years. And we're going to find, uh, what, a 150-yard par 3? The 10th hole at White Eagle. They have certain, they have you know four or five different tee boxes. But you, it's a par 3 that you can play from, I believe it was like 185 or else you can move forward to about 150. So I think one, 150 is probably the whites and 180 is probably the, the blues. Uh, that sounds about right, yeah. So we'll get Judd to the whites. And my question is, what are the parameters for this thing? We can't. I don't think we can allow him any warm-ups. I think if it's been 20 years, I think the parameters have to be set. He rolls in. You can take a couple little practice swings, but well, you don't get to the, the first golf ball you hit in 20 years will be the one that's placed on the tee from 150 yards away. I think that's absolutely right. My first thought fine. was set the over-under at 6.5, and, and then Judd would have to get a triple bogey or better. But then when I floated that on Twitter, almost everyone came back and was like, wait, if he hasn't golfed in 20 years, you have to make it higher. And even Max was saying that to it. Like, you have to make it 7.5 or 8.5. I think 8.5 is extremely fair. I think 8.5 would work. I like 6.5. 7.5 might be the compromise here. Quadruple bogey, you're better. Because if I, I mean, so if I were you, so optimal strategy would be, like, if there was money on the line, if you if you had to get the ball in the hole in, let's say, six or seven strokes or fewer, whatever we settle on. Mm-hmm. I think you'd take, I, I almost think you'd play, maybe you play a pitching wedge off the tee just to get the ball out there, the easiest club you can possibly, whatever's the most comfortable, mm-hmm. and then putt everything else. Like, literally, don't risk shanking a ball, yeah, take a putter and just hit the ball straight. There's water on the left on this hole, too. Yes, I'm uh, I'm looking at the scorecard right now. It is the uh, the 10th hole, 149 would be the distance that's listed on the scorecard. And yes, water to the left uh, off the tee. It's it's kind of a little pond, and it certainly uh, is in play uh, as you get closer to the green. My question to Judd is... What's your confidence on a you know full swing, whether you give it a hundred percent, eighty percent, whatever it is, but a nice full swing yep. that you will make contact with the ball? Are you very confident you will at least make contact? <laughs> Max. <laughs> yeah. I love the Intern Max with just a <laughs> guffaw from the gallery. <laughs> I am fairly confident. Let me put it this way. I told Collar going into the Houston Rockets three-point challenge, I had no confidence. And he's like, of course you're going to make a three. And I said, no, dude, I'm not. I have no form. I don't remember how, how to shoot a basketball correctly. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. And then he saw it, and he's like, oh, my God, you're right. And I said, yeah, I know, Matthew. I told you that. The goal, the soccer challenge, I was confident because I had played the sport, and I knew that I could come back and do it, that I wouldn't. it wouldn't look completely foolish. It didn't look good. I fell down the first time, but I could do it. I'm in between here. I'm very much in between. So I'm not nearly as confident like it's, it's as, as re- I was soccer, but 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 I I feel like it doesn't have to be as bad as basketball was. And and this is going to come down to cuz I was never good, but this comes back to now now did I golf enough 20 years ago where, where at least I can I can 
have the swing intact. I think I can. I am fairly confident. If I teed the ball up and tried to go driver and just tried to hit the ground, I, I, I am <laughs> com- foolish. I'm confident I would miss the ball entirely. It, it, it would be foolish. But, to, I, I know that you would be tempted to just like, okay, let's just take a club and hit the ball. Yeah, out and that's there. not going to happen. But if it, you haven't, because if we don't allow you to go to the driving range, yeah, if, no. if your first swing in 20 years, I think I would miss. Yes, my point. My you point have to take is, like I think a I controlled would, half swing yeah. with a club, like an iron that you could control. I think I would miss. Uh, so if let's say I start pitching wedge, I think I hit it. I'm not saying it goes straight, and I'm not saying it goes well. But if you're just asking off the tee or 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 first shot, do I think I can hit it? I think with a pitching wedge, I can. I feel like the key is if you can if you can put it 50 yards out, even mm-hmm. forward, your first shot. If if we if we say let's say it's seven and a half, the over under seven and a half. You can put it 50 yards out. It's a 150-yard hole, and you have six shots now with a putter or whatever just to thwack the ball up to the green. But here's the problem now. The pressure of the first shot is going to become so immense that I'm starting to (laughs) tighten up, and it's Thursday. And I'm not going to be doing this till Monday. I'm See, thinking, so now I'm starting to think about it, and I hate when I think about. Well, you can take go find those clubs and take some practice swings. <laughs> we aren't going to monitor you over the weekend. We're just not going to give you practice swings on Monday. I got He's tin cup. He's already in his own head. He is. Yeah, no, I got another things to do. one. But you know what, tin cup does? He hits the seven iron. He hits the seven iron better well, than everybody. I think you. I think that's your first club. I think something a little longer than the pitching wedge. You are so going you to gotta, caddy. Yeah. So, so you don't have to bend so over as, as much. You know, you get a little more longer club. And even if you take that half swing, you should be able to get a seven iron at least 50, 60, 70, 80 yards. Something like that. You know, get about halfway to the hole. Then you have to worry about not being able to tee the ball up on the second shot. Because you're going to, yeah. But, you it's know, tough. as long as you can make contact again, even if you hit a, you know, a roller 20 yards. That's why the putter, if someone told you, okay, like gun to the head, there's a there's a million dollars on the line, and you have to get this ball in that hole in seven shots. You wouldn't take like, well, what's my 150 yard club? You'd say, what's the club that I can hit straight for at least some period, and then where's my putter? Mm-hmm. That's what I would do. Now, maybe you want to maybe you want to be a hero and try and pitch a ball. I'm gonna have to yards. see. I'm I'm gonna gonna have to actually get there and see how the hole is laid out and where the water is exactly. To see how much that's going to uh, potentially mind bleep me because it's there. Because it's if it's off to the side enough, but you can play. The, you can play be. the whole hole off to the right if you want to. Right, which it might is be what I might try and you, do. If you can put, I might your, try and go exactly what I might try and do. It might be easier yes. for someone who hasn't golfed in twenty years. It's probably easier for your next shot to come from the rough than from the fairway, like the mode, the mode par three fairway. Because because you're going to want a little bit more ability to like get under the ball if you hit behind it. Uh, now, Peter tweets in the show, can we attend this event and have a crowd PGA style? I live near Hudson, would love to watch and bet on Judd golfing. If there is a crowd. Oh, we should get a crowd. <laughs> Next to tee off from St. Louis Park, Minnesota. He's won nothing. Judd Zolgad. Judson Zolgad. If there is a gallery there, I can guarantee you right now I will drill the ball right into them. Well, they can stand behind us. Well, they better. That would mean <laughs> good contact, way, though. Good contact. Way. Yeah, that's true. And, and it would bounce off a fan in that case and probably back into the fairway. So that actually might help me out. Yeah, you're going to want that, actually. It's like bumper bowling. Yes, Max. Ma- Max is dying to say something. Oh, go ahead, yeah. Max. Yeah. I feel Max. like we are totally like, so we're talking about Judd getting on the green. But like for somebody who hasn't had any feel of a green for 20 years, putting could be... Even worse. That's true. That's very true. We could be looking at a four or five putt. 
Yeah, or or a putt that goes off the green entirely, and now you're mm-hmm. back like, into your bag of other clubs. You go Phil Mickelson. Take the penalty. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I like it. Go stop the ball. Two-stroke yeah. penalty. I got one left. I got one oh, left. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a great idea. Yes. Judd's been lefty. waiting his whole life. He's had this rule in his back pocket. He finally used it. Lefty learned from lefty. I like it. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. And we're out. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. Right now. On 1500 ESPN. Uh, email email from Matthew, who listened to our uh, last segment about episode three of the Judd Zolgad Athlete Challenge, where a uh, brave Judd Zolgad, who doesn't partake in many actual active sports, he watches and critiques. Well, you watch and you critique. And I'm near 50. So I, I used to far more, but then now. Jack Lane was like 90 and running. I'm a little bit. Well, I'm retired. You know what? There's nothing more pathetic than watching an older person try and continue to play sports. It's a Zolgad philosophy. Uh, that's why you stopped when you were 25. And I hold dear to that philosophy so much so that I, I have retired from sports. You retired when you were 26. But now I'm coming out of retirement to that's do true. this yep. for the sake of the craft. We, we now have two guys who live in the area. Uh, Matthew says he works in Bayport. He emails the show, and he'll leave work to watch you golf on Monday. I mean, if we put like even a gallery of 10 or 15... How much for the pressure you feel right now to get a quadruple bogey or better on a par three, having not golfed in 20 years? If we had a gallery of like 10 or 15 people, how, <laughs> what if the gallery includes all the former North Stars, Judd's heroes wow. as a kid? Oh my God. Then watching him try to compete the challenge. Sean Beaupre. Maxwell's there. Oh, Maxwell. All of them. All of them just watching you, Judd, cheering for you, pulling for you. As it was the other way around for so many years at Met Center. So you're saying I would have a chance to make them proud, but ultimately probably would fail and let them down? I'd be okay with that. <laughs> Similar to uh, what happened the other way around? Is that what you're saying? Well, I mean, you know what? They, <laughs> did, did they ever win the Stanley Cup? <laughs> did they ever win that big challenge? And that's challenge? the ultimate mic drop. No matter how bad your golf swing is and no matter how many did strokes, you, ever win the Stanley Cup? you can always turn it back around. Yeah. How about that 81 series? Did, yeah, you guys Did are you clowns. guys see t- uh, Tuesday night uh, F, uh, FS1 did the Twins game? Kenny Albert went downtown so on Nicollet Mall on Tuesday. The Twins had this, like, the they took, like, deal. 10 Wiffle players, yeah. right? Wiffle ball. Kenny Albert showed up. I guess they got him to come down, and he tried his a hand swings? Was it bad? with swings. It looked like me. Oh, it no. was. It's just another sign that people, that not everybody, but a lot of people who do what, what we do, do not belong trying to actually try and and uh, uh, broach their skills in athletics. Hey, I shot His 90 swing, at Brookview on Monday. Don't let me into Kenny this. Okay? I'm a supreme athlete. Kenny Albert's swing was uh, indescribably bad and would look like my swing. Hmm. Well, it's like when you see athletes from other sports. There's like basketball players who will throw out the first pitch at a baseball game. And you're thinking, oh, this is like one of the top athletes in the world. And oh my God, have you never held a baseball Stephon before? Stephon Diggs what trying to that? swing. Yeah. Stefan Diggs trying to swing was... Kirk Cousins had a great baseball swing, actually. Squash the bug, front leg straight. He probably played. Drive, use the legs, good. power. Yeah. He's probably good. So, uh... But yeah, if we had a gallery, uh, if we had a gallery and we really went and did that, I would say that we should set a limit at about 15. And there would need to be, <laughs> there would need to be some type of donation to charity. Honestly, there's something... And I, I golf once every other week or so. Like, I, I try to get out a couple times a month, and I love golfing. But I've been golfing for 20 years, and you know I get out whatever so 15, stuck, 20 times. You started when I retired. Correct. Yes, I started in like 1990. 
probably 1998, probably 1999. Okay, right around the time I hung yeah. up the clubs. The right when, like, when, the t- when Tiger Woods was, was taken off, that's when I started <laughs> golfing. That's too. when I quit. Yep. And I can tell you, even having been used to just like, I, and I'm, I am scratching to break 90. So I'm not, a, I can keep up. I'm not a great golfer. If there's a group, let's say behind you, you're on the first tee box and let's say there's a backup and, and there's four random strangers watching us tee off on any hole. I get legitimately uptight. Just like, oh, there's four strangers well, I, watching I me hit a golf ball right now. I don't want to look like an idiot and yeah. duff a ball 20 yards that doesn't make it to the ladies' tees, right? <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know, Max, Dave, you guys golf. Do you ever get that way when there's just, oh, there's a random group that's watching and, the, and all of a sudden now there's, there's this self-imposed pressure to not look like an idiot? That doesn't bug me so much just because... I mean, as sort of hackers that we are, I hit enough bad shots anyway, so yeah. why put more pressure on it? You might go straight, sure. it might go left, who, uh, who knows? Let's Whatever. find out. Yeah, I always get worried with just like pace of play. I just don't want to get in anybody's way. Yeah, I'm that way too. Oh my God, we're playing too slow and like rush a shot. The first hole for me is always the worst hole because there's normally the, the other group is ready to go after you. And I always am just like so worried. It's just like, gosh, I, just, I need to get out. I just need to get to the second hole. I, 100%. I, feel, I feel terrible. It's I, like, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. with Max. I double bogey the first <laughs> hole every time because of that exact reason. Yeah. Oh, they're waiting on the tee box. And I, I'm like, rush my shot. Uh-huh. Yep. Junk. Yep. The worst shot I will hit every round is when you're sitting like, you know, 200, 220 away on a par five or a long four. Yeah, I can reach this green. I yeah, I can reach before, that. I reached it once five years I, ago. I'm going to have to wait till they uh, they clear the green. <laughs> yeah, I have to wait here, fellas. Hang on. Yes. I can reach that. Guaranteed worm burner 50 yards max. Every time. Guaranteed. Yep, every time. Uh, when young Phil Mackey, around this time where Judd hung up the clubs in the bag, this is probably in like 2001. I've been golfing for maybe two or three years. And we used to play, uh, it's, I think it's Pheasant Acres. Now, I, know, I think it's still open out in Corcoran slash Rogers. That I, used to, I grew up in the area and used to golf there. And there was a par five where if you hit a tee shot 230 or something and you're, you're about 230 away on the next one, right? It's like a 465-yard par five. And 18-year-old idiot Phil Mackey is down there, pipes his drive, and me and my buddy are waiting for the green to clear, like champions that we are, right? <laughs> We're going to take a run at this thing. and Because uh, on the 1 in 100 chance that you actually hit it up there, you don't want them to get mad, right. but just lay up. That's the So there's guys on the tee box, and, it, and one of them whistled like, come on, come on. And we looked back and like gave him a, we're waiting for the green to clear kind of wave. <laughs> and so we're waiting another minute, and they're taking a while on the green. And finally, the dude goes, I can't say the words on the air that he used, but he berates us with expletives as loud as he can and tees up a ball and hits it right by us. Oh, and it went by. Oh, <laughs> it wow. It was like the, it, like the first well, that's thought it. of like golf etiquette and, okay, just don't be an idiot. Just that's lay a up. complete jerk move wow. there. So anyways. I used to play, so we, I used to play in the 90s. I actually thought I, I could get decent and not great, but decent. So we, we went up north a couple times with some friends and, and had a week's pass at Madden's, which is fun and very cool. Uh, but I went out a couple times. I got up early and thought, I'm going to go out by myself and try and improve my game. by. And my biggest fear was always that there was going to be like two or three guys there and say, come on, join us. Like I could not play with strangers. I hate playing with. No, but I couldn't I do it. Like I, I would have been like, I'm gonna go home. I, I can't do this. I could. There is no way that I could have brought my, especially if they could golf, which m- most of these people obviously can. There was no way that I could bring myself to be like, yeah, I'd love to join the the threesome here. Let's make yeah, it a foursome. I'm, I have those tendencies. No too. way. Yeah. 
Uh, Luke tweets in the show here, John Vandeveld made that seven, that triple bogey seven on 18 to, to blow the three-stroke lead and go to the playoff at Carnoustie. He went back the next year and played the entire hole with a putter, and they filmed this, and he made a six. Oh my. What? So that hole where John Vandeveld, where he hits it left into the water, and he like rolls up the pants instead of just yeah, taking a drop, and he tries to hit it out of the water. Yeah. And then he hits it. He hit wow. it in the water again, up by the green or something. He went back later on that year and played. There's video of this. I think it's on YouTube. And he played the entire hole again with just a putter, a putter off the tee, and he made a six, a putter the whole way, and he made a six instead. Why would you do that to yourself? If you're Vanderbilt, that's a great question. Why would you do that for to a very yourself? good payday? Would be the just, only reason. You just had to double bogey or better. You could have taken a putter off the damn tee, the whole way. This is your strategy on Monday. This is your strategy. No, I, think, I, think Max is, I think Max is right. I think I got to get it out there. Now, if I go putter after that, I, I could see that. But I think I, got, I think I at least got to get it out on the course a little bit. If your shot to the green. If I go putter, I'm just going to. If your shot to the green fades off a little left where there's the pond and you just trickle into the water, would you think of taking off the shoes and socks, rolling up the pant legs and uh, oh, hitting it from the drink? Absolutely not. <laughs> no, no chance. No chance at all. No, I'm trying to think of. Well, right. we're going to play pro rules too. If you, it's it's going to be a if there's no drop zone, it'll be a drop or a drop. Uh, you know, on the line going back to where you hit the shot right. where it went in. So, just to be clear, the water is way to the left here. Is that right? Yes, it's to the left. I mean, it's it's to not the left. way off. Oh, it's, but it's, it's way to the left. It's, it's to the left. In play on the left side. So I could tee up. I could actually tee up towards. I could just try and tee up. Uh, towards the left and just hit the ball back across right then. It sounds so easy. So if it tails yes. up, no, I'm just visualize I'm, that I'm shot. shot. Guided visualization. If I put, if I try and tee off with, with the ball in the middle, because I do tend to have the ball hook left on me, which I don't want. How do you know? I used to at least. <laughs> at, it's a natural fade. No big deal. <laughs> at the par, at the par three, Fred in, in Edina, which is now uh, gone. God rest its soul. I used to go to the left a lot because the, the ball would go towards the parking lot and occasionally hit cars. <laughs> uh, I had a friend once. Are actually, there other roads in the vicinity of the tenth hole at White Eagle? Or are we oh, good? if there are, they could be in trouble. Okay, just want to make sure we don't get in too much trouble doing this. Dave, what's coming up in stuff <laughs> you should to leave know the about? Course before the show starts. <laughs> I'm going to ask you a question. Is it disrespecting an opponent, or is it just straight truth? Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. I swear it will be done. I swear it will be done. On 1500 ESPN. The Mackie and Judd Show rolls on. It's go time, you and me. On 1500 ESPN. And stuff you should know about is sponsored by Progressive Insurance. The power to save is in your hands. A snapshot from Progressive rewards your safe driving with discounts. Find out more at Progressive.com. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. What Twin City sports fans are chanting for right now. Mackie and Judd continue with stuff you should know about. All right, David Harrigan, enough about my attempted golf game. We got to get to some stuff that we should know about. Let's do some stuff you should know about. It was a wacky day in baseball yesterday. A lot of position players taking them on, including the game between the Rockies and Diamondbacks. Hit home run number nine last time up. He drives this one to center field. Pollock at the wall. It's gone. Carlos Gonzalez with his second homer of the night. 
That made it 18-1 Rockies. Oof. Yeah, they uh, they eventually scored 19 total on the game. But uh, Daniel Descalso entered the entered the game, position player, in the fourth inning. <laughs> That's how bad it was. It was 15 nothing or 15-1, whatever it was at that point. He went two and two thirds. Okay. After him, Alex Avila came in. He pitched two innings as well wow. for the D-backs. Herman Marquez, the uh, pitcher for the uh, Rockies, he went deep. So a position or a pitcher hits a home run off a position player in the game. That's amazing. Yeah. So um, did they? So they got three innings of actual pitching and then like five innings of position player pitching. That's right. So yeah, you might as well not thirds. burn any of so your actual pitchers. My question for Jason Stark would be this. How many big league games have we had two non-pitchers pitch for the same team in? It's got to be a great extremely question, right? rare, right? Because, I mean, ordinarily a guy, ordinarily you're getting blown out. Let's say it's the seventh or eighth, and a guy might come in, the left fielder might come in and throw two innings, right? But how often would you actually have a position player then give way to a position player? Max, you're going to spend the rest of the show looking that up. <laughs> Well, I'll just tweet Stark right now. The, he'll rest, lo- he, the rest of the show. He'll love that question. Actually, the rest of your internship, looking that up. You can't stop working until you find the answer. That's <laughs> just, I'm on it. The other wacky baseball nugget, as given us uh, by Pete Abraham. He covers the Red Sox for the Boston Globe. Yeah. Bartolo Colon was pitching last night against the Sox. More plate appearances against him by the Red Sox coaching staff than the Red Sox players. 63 career for the coaching staff, 62 for the current Red Sox players. Wow, okay. How's that for your nugget of the day? Wow, Jason Stark would love the start to stuff you should know about today. We should just bring him on. Let's just call him right now. I love that. It's good stuff. That is good. Yes, it is good. You know what else is good? Oh, it's so good. 2-1, swung on and served to the opposite field. And that one is fair and in the left field's corner. Tebow's around first. He is headed for second and stands there with a double. Timmy Tebow going opposite field, left field line. A ringing double, we'll call it, in the Eastern League AA All-Star game last night. Good for him. That's Good right. Him. Go get him, Timmy. Honestly, I hope he comes up in September. Happy. I hope he comes up. If he, if he gets he off will, to a hot start in the up, second half. He'll be up this time, right? Like he's, they got to call him up this time. They're batting, terrible. He's batting 270 in AA. It's not an embarrassment. <laughs> and they are. The Mets are an embarrassment. And so lucky for all of us, uh, TMZ caught up with... Tim Tebow's mom at LAX. <laughs> because you recognize who Tim Tebow's mom is, apparently? Wow. You know, Timmy never had any bitterness. He had such a great attitude because he believed it was God's plan for him. Mm. And then we just all supported him because he still had a competitive drive and he just still wanted to play ball. So baseball was second, so why not try it? You know, I think he's an example for all the little boys that maybe are afraid to try something because people don't think they'll succeed. So you don't make it. At least you try. That's right. It's true. You know what? People make fun of the Tebos, and, you know, he gets a little preachy sometimes, and, and that's that, that rubs people the wrong way, but ultimately... The guy is still doing what he wants to do, and he's and he's putting himself out there, and he doesn't care what people think. And he's stuck with the Mets, too. I think it's cool. I think it's cool. All right. The question for stuff you should know about, is this just straight truth, or is it disrespecting your opponent a little bit? All right. It might be a little bit of both, but which is more correct? Okay. This was Roger Federer yesterday after he lost to Kevin Anderson explaining, well, he just wasn't himself. 
I wasn't feeling particularly well off the baseline, you know, I couldn't really get the, the rallies going the way I wanted to, especially one-two punch wasn't working at all today. I don't know if it's had something to do with the breeze or just, uh, you know, a bad day from my side, except the first set. After that, I never really felt uh, exactly 100% and that has nothing to do with my opponent. It was just one of those days where you hope to get by somehow and uh, I almost could have or should have. What? Wait, did Straight you just... truth? Or disrespecting the opponent had nothing to do with Kevin Anderson. It was a little it's breezy. Disrespecting his opponent. <laughs> Did he just he just blamed the breeze? You know I what wasn't that is. Feeling particularly well off the baseline. You know I couldn't really get the the rallies going the way I wanted to. Especially one two punch wasn't working at all today. I don't know if it's had something to do with the breeze or just uh, you know a bad day from my side. Except the first set. After that, I never really felt uh, exactly a hundred percent, and that has nothing to do with my opponent. That is that is Brett Favre after every key pick. Well, I mean, Sidney ran, ran the wrong route, and I didn't get the block, but, I mean, I shouldn't have thrown that ball, I guess. That's Brett. That's that's disrespecting your opponent and every damn excuse you could think of. The, the breeze. Well, well, Favre would blame his teammates. Right, but I'm saying it's always <laughs> something. Different. But it's always something else. It's never, it's never. you know what, I was just awful today. And then he'd tell everyone that Nadal's got an ankle injury and yeah. Djokovic is dealing with a yeah, knee. Here's the deal. I mean, is Serena's it, hurting bad. <laughs> is it possible when you're that good in an individual sport and you're just, you're not really used to losing outside of if you were to face one of the other two best players. Like, he'll... He'll lose to Nadal, and it'll be a mutual respect, or lose to Djokovic or something. But when it comes to losing to a guy like that, who's not one of the top-ranked players, he just doesn't know how to mentally process it. That it, it's like short circuits his entire reality. So he blames the breeze. That's like that's all. He blamed the breeze. Like that's that's amazing to me. I mean, right. it wasn't all my fault. That's all I know. Think back to one of the big moments of Super Bowl Fifty Two here in our own backyard. You remember the Philly Special? And they're gonna snap it, and it's Trey Burton who throws caught. Foles touchdown. People have been analyzing the Madden rankings for the upcoming Madden. Uh, was it Madden eighteen? Madden nineteen? Whatever. Probably Madden nineteen. Yeah. Yeah. Nick Foles, you know, they, they, you've got a number for everything. Speed, agility, accuracy, you know, the whole deal. Power, strength. You also have your catching rank out of a 1 to 99. Nick Foles is only a 32 despite catching that touchdown pass in the Super Bowl. You know who's got a better catching number? Can't be Tom Brady. Kirk Cousins? Third down and five here. And now you got to flip back here to Danny Amendola who throws and it's... Brady, you can't pull it in. Brady's seven points higher. He's a 39 compared to Foles <laughs> okay. 32. First of all, if that's your only evidence, then obviously it should be reversed at least. But how do they know? Like, how do they know that? What What if Eli Manning just has amazing possession hands? He's on but, the jugs but, machine doing one-handed catches but, like Odell. Right, but no one sees it because no one ever throws can him the ball. Can they change those Madden down know? too? So like can can they they adjust them? I think so. So if yeah. uh, Foles catches a touchdown again, you, you can up his catching. Yes, yeah, pr- pretty sure you can. All right, yeah, pretty sure they can do. It. Everybody knows LeBron James is in L.A. He's with the Lakers. It's official. Luke Walton is his coach. Did you hear how he got congratulations from his dad? That being Luke Bill Walton on uh, his team Mm-mm. getting LeBron. Uh, Grateful Dead concert. Ding 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 ding. Nice. Your son just tickets to a Grateful Dead concert. Lamona Shelburne had the details in a piece at ESPN.com. Luke's father, Bill, 
called him from a Grateful Dead concert to help celebrate. Quote, yeah, and he had the drummer Mickey Hart in the background yelling at me that the rhythm is the answer to everything in life, Luke Walton said with a laugh. So once I figure out what that means, we'll all be good. That's pretty funny. Have LeBron James and Luke Walton, like, have they ever spoken to each other? Do we know? I guess a very good question. We know they were drafted yeah. in the same draft, right? The, the Shelburne, the Shelburne piece that she just did said that Magic got to LeBron's place in LA an hour early, sat in his car, and that the only people that knew about this were uh, Magic, uh, Genie Bus, and the GM Planka, I think, and that they didn't tell Luke about it. And I don't think Luke and LeBron have spoken yet. So besides That's that, Luke, be real reassuring as a coach. Surprise, besides that, Luke is really on the ends when it comes to what's going on with that. <laughs> Now, LeBron's shown a lot of respect for coaches over the years, so I'm sure Luke will be fine. <laughs> yeah, go, go, go call David Blatt and see what's going on there. <laughs> Last one. Does the name Nikola Kalinich or Kalinich ring a bell for you guys at all? Hmm, you no, know why no, that no. name is important? I do not. He was sent home by his squad early in the World Cup because he refused to come in a game off the bench. Maybe he was disappointed he wasn't a starter, but he told his gaffer no. Now, I'm not going in. You finished this match without me. So they said, well, fine. You don't want to play in the World Cup? Go home. He's now getting roasted on Twitter because he played for Team Croatia. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, so he could have just, he could have gone in uh, late in the game and, and now he could be celebrating potentially a, a World Cup victory if they were to win. Okay. Let that be a lesson. Mm-hmm. Didn't, um, didn't one of the Cavs players, uh, what's his name, uh, Rodney Hood did that in a game for yeah, the Cavs, right? he refused to go into a game. But that was maybe for anxiety issues, people were saying. Is it possible the Croatian guy had anxiety issues? And they, sent, and they just, if he didn't, they're insensitive he, to anxiety in Croatia? If he Anything's didn't, then he possible, but go in the game. Come on, run a few things. I, I do have one more item for you, actually. <laughs> uh, the guy that's being rumored to be, uh, that, that Fox is looking at to join their NFL booth coverage with somewhere. You hear that name? Hmm. Yeah, you're going to have some challenges this weekend um, with respect to injuries. No. Reggie will keep you abreast. Unfortunately, I won't be there this weekend. I was just fired. So, um, I'm going to have a 11.30 meeting. Jeff Fisher. Wow. Jeff Fisher possibly really? to the Fox booth. Yeah. Boy, that's going to be that uh, so their oh. their booth will instantly gravitate to whatever the broadcast equivalent of 8 and 8 or 7 and 9 is, right? Yeah. Who would you rather have, dry. Cutler or Fisher? Oh, Cutler, Cutler for sure. Yeah. The ambivalence would be fantastic. <laughs> it would be hilarious. Jay Cutler. Is there is there a, a more play. generic football persona than Jeff Fisher? I mean, at least John Fox will give you a scrunchy face once in a while. But but if you could together, if you probably. could put a face or a person next to just generic, replaceable football guy, Jeff Fisher would be that guy, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. he he'd be on that long list of guys who are just like football coach guy who's boring and weird, and that's a really if they do that, talk about so so CBS last year goes with. Romo, who turns out to be fantastic. And so you're saying to yourself, that's really good. And now Fox in 2018 is going to come back with, hey, yeah, but we got Jeff Fisher. 
Yeah. Give me Cutler. I'd love and Cutler. And you know now that we're going to have five Vikings games. Vikings-Lions, Vikings-Bears. <laughs> yep. All of them are going to have Jeff Fisher. <laughs> Up in the booth, it's Sam Rosen and Jeff Fisher. Or worse, Chris, Chris Myers, Myers, Myers and Jeff Fisher. <laughs> God, uh, Mackie and Judd with a scoop session. Doogie's coming in in about 15 minutes. Chris Long later on. Uh, in fact, we might just let the Channel 5 guys take over the second half of the show. We're just gonna, we're actually going to leave. It'll be great. See ya. Don't go anywhere. Assume the position. More Mackie and Judd coming up next on 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Bland, half-baked, disrespectful, overexposed, not worth your time. Mackie and Judd. On 1500 ESPN. Join past and present NHL players for a day of golf at the 2018 Minnesota NHL Alumni Classic. It's happening this coming Monday, July 16th at White Eagle Golf Club in Hudson. In addition to a round of golf, each each registration includes on-course food and beverages, dinner, player gifts, and more. All the details and to register, head to 1500ESPN.com, keyword events. All right. Thank you, Dave. Doogie's coming in here for a scoop in about 10 minutes. Uh, Roy Smalley at 1130 on Twins. So we spent a couple segments with Chip Scoggins just previewing and talking about the big rollout the Star Tribune's going to do here starting on Sunday. They talked to Rob Manfred. They talked to 30 different people in and around baseball about the future of baseball things that pertain to the Twins and analytics and what baseball might look like in 2028, what plagues baseball. And uh, I had this realization. I don't know if you've seen the stat of who has the best team ERA since mid-May. Have you seen this? I have not, no. Um, do you have any any guesses as to which team has the best ERA since like May 15th? I think it might just be American League. But either way, like top of the charts. Tampa Bay Rays. Tampa Bay. Yeah. So this is baseball's biggest hurdle. They're staring at an average audience of 57 years old on TV. The NBA is 15 years younger, average age. This is just TV viewing. So forget about social media, attraction, all those things. Mm -hmm. And the NBA dominates uh, those two. 42 years old in the NBA versus 57 years old. Because baseball comes to these forks in the road. Man, should we uh, consider this massive change to our sport or to our strategy or to our tact, whatever it may be? Whether it's a pitch clock, an electronic strike zone, or just something strategic. And people laugh at it. I sat in the Target Field press box like three weeks ago and listened to two, one very noteworthy, I'm not going to throw them under the bus, but one very noteworthy and then a baseball scout, two old school baseball guys, just ripping the rays up and down for how ridiculous this strategy is. How can you put a relief pitcher in there in the first inning. Oh, start yeah, and go. Yeah. So they, the, yeah, that's where I'm going with this. Yeah. The Rays use a relief pitcher oftentimes in the first inning and then bring on a longer guy. And it's like people looked at him and said, what the hell? This is ridiculous. You can't ask pitchers to do this. It's working. And this is what happens. Every time somebody tries to innovate in baseball, the Oakland A's, oh, money ball, that's a joke. Oh, wait, maybe it's not a joke. Look at what the A's are doing again this year with a shoestring budget, lowest payroll in baseball, basically. And they're 10 games over 500. I think they just beat the Astros a, a night ago. Mm-hmm. And, and so whether it's something strategic or whether it's a big-picture discussion about, well, should we do this to change the game to make it more appealing for viewers? The instant reaction is always, oh, that's ridiculous. You can't do that. Yep. You can't bring a reliever in in the first inning. Oh, really? They got the best ERA in baseball over the past two or three months. Yep. Well, I, I think across the board, uh, Sports people don't like change, and baseball people, I think a, a lot of them, especially the old school ones, hate change. 
But I think what you need to do now, and Verducci brought this up on the telecast on Tuesday. I think what you need to do now, though, is look at the changes being made and look at the ones that are, are working and are good and efficient, but also take a step back, too, and say, okay, are, are shifts as a whole a good thing? Or, as, as his point was, the NBA looked at zone defenses and said, oh, you know what? Yeah. This is bad. Illegal defense. Yeah, I think Football. They- Look, football looked at, at the fact that that for a long time, cornerbacks were basically mauling receivers and said, this is bad for offense. Let's put rules in. Yes. So so his point as an old school baseball guy, and I completely agree, is as baseball evolves and changes and gets smarter, you need to, to look at those changes and say, okay, these three are really good and productive. This one is productive but needs to be scaled back. Yeah, baseball compared to some of the other, not that the other sports are instantly innovative too sometimes it takes some pushing and you you throw something out there and you get feedback on it but i feel like the nba in particular throughout 30 or 40 years pretty consistently says okay players and coaches and and the old schoolers might not like this right now because it's different than what has been previously but let's look forward and see what would resonate best with our audience and with our you know let's just keep up with trends and make it exciting Baseball, the first reaction is always, "Well, we, you can't do that. That's not the way it's been. It's been this way for a hundred years. How can you? How can you change this?" Yep. I don't know. I mean, the, the first peach basket was put up in the early 1900s by James Naismith, right? Uh, first, they decided to cut a hole in the bottom of the peach basket so you didn't have to climb a ladder to go up and get the ball every time somebody scored. But then eventually, right. somebody thought in the late 70s, early 80s, you know, basketball has been around a long time, like for a half century or more. I got a wild idea. Let's draw a new line on the court. And the what? ABA, you can't do that. I I feel like baseball's biggest problem is is baseball is is probably the the poster child of the sport where people love to butt heads. And and so instead of say, instead of there being compromise, there there should be compromise. There should be like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm an old school guy, and here's what what I think. And the new school folks c- come in and say, well, well, three of the things that you're saying makes sense, and the fourth one makes no sense. But the old school baseball guy says, well, no, 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 all four are 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 sacred to my sport. And so instead of baseball people sitting down and logically saying, for the for the good of our sport, as people's habits change, what can we do to be as successful as possible? What you get instead is bang, 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 people hitting each other's heads instead of saying, what mm. can we what can we accept? Because there are things that are really good. But the the electronic strike zone to me. A prime example of something that can easily be fixed. The electronic strike zone would get things right. Uh, Monday night, I believe it was, in the first game of the Twins-Royals series, the home plate umpire was absolutely awful. He was terrible. He had that high strike zone, yeah. which which made no sense. And an electronic strike zone would have fixed that in two seconds. And you tell me, if you put in a strike zone that that's going to get things right, how is that a, a, a counterproductive thing? And I, I because it's not the way it's always right, been. And what I, do you mean? And I get the fact that it's been fun to argue with the umpire and all that. But guess what? Now we've got replay too, and and replay can be tweaked, but it's not killing things. It's helped things. So if baseball people would get together and just say, "Damn it, let's sit down and try and save this game as much as possible to make it as compelling as possible," but instead they all have their own agendas. So it drives me crazy about it. Yep, that's the, but you can't change that. That's different. Yes, and that's fine. And you need different. Uh, Doogie's coming in here. Speaking of different, 
Doogie's got some different views on sports, and he's going to bring them to us when we cut scoops. He's got inside scoops and a great podcast, and he'll join us when we come back. And Roy Smalley in 30 minutes. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout. Coffee break. Better hurry if we want to get a seat. On 1500 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.